Welcome to a fantastic episode of My Orgasmic Life. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Gaia Morissette. And today's show is brought to you by Tickle.life. <laughs> All right, so everybody who's watching me, I have like this big mark on my face. And um, I just want to take a moment to say why, where'd that mark come from? Um, it, I actually scratched myself. So because of the COVID adventure, um, we can't get our nails done. And because I can't get my nails done, I now have no uh, fake nails. I have my real nails. My real nails um, are sharp and I'm not used to them yet. <laughs> so I scratched myself. You know, like when babies, they you have to put like little gloves on them so they don't scratch themselves. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened to me. <laughs> I haven't had like real nails in like seven years. So, okay, moving on. All right, let's get into our conversation today. Today, I want to talk about my, when I used to be a swinger and my adventures of swinging. Somebody asked me that because I, my last episode, my last podcast I did, on my orgasmic life, I talked about my journey of becoming a sadist into the world of kink. And um, somebody had asked me, like, do you have any, like, you know, wife swapping, swinging, like, stories? And I was like, oh, that's right. I used to be a swinger. And I never really talk about it. Like, I talk about being ethically non-monogamous and, you know, how I have a harem. But I don't actually talk about the period of time when I was a swinger. So I thought, you know what? This would be a good show. Once upon a time in a land far, far away, <laughs> there was a girl. Um, so I want to talk about how my adventures in swinging. So let's see, where do I want to start? Okay. So when I was 20, yeah, that's when I entered the world of swinging. 20? No, actually 25. When I was 25, that's when I entered the world of swinging. And up to that point, I'd been practicing um, ethical non-monogamy. Well, I, I spent a lot of time not practicing ethical non-monogamy. Then I turned 20, and then I practiced ethical non-monogamy. And um, for those five years, I was trying to figure out, like, what kind of relationship styles worked for me of being not monogamous. And so my partner at the time... Um, and I decided that we would enter the world of swinging. And so we dropped into this world of like what it meant to be a swinger and, you know, the nuances and, you know, playing together and the adventures and trying to figure out what are our hard limits and what are our rules. And, you know, it became, it became quite the adventure between the two of us. And, it, and, um, but there was a lot of, there was a lot of fun, but there was also like a lot of awkwardness and horrible, horrible first dates. <laughs> and, you know, lots of like bad sex and, um, you know, opportunities to look at, you know, jealousy and insecurity. And, you know, it's like, and I realized that swinging wasn't really for me. And I'll, you know, I'm going to go into that a little bit later. That's why I have a harem and I move in a different way than, than, you know, dropping into the swinging world. You know, it doesn't, it's not something that really resonates, works for me personally. But so some of the stories are, let's see, let me give you, the first time we went to a swingers club, let's talk about that. Okay. 
And there's some really fun adventures that I had in the swinging world. So, so me and my ex at the time, um, we're, we're, we're like going to go to the swingers clubbing. And back then, because again, I'm going to, you know, remind you that I'm 45. So that was a long time ago. <laughs> I know it doesn't look like it, but it was. So, um, that's like, oh my God, that's like 20 years ago. Oh my God. <laughs> having a moment, an age moment. Anyways, so 20 years ago, there was not, you, you couldn't have, there was no on-sex premise clubs, right? There was just, you had your swingers clubs that got kind of hot and steamy, but there was no sex allowed in those clubs. Um, in Canada, it was illegal back then. So, so we go and we're going to, we're going to go to the swingers club. And we hadn't actually, we hadn't, this was our first experience. We hadn't gone on any dates. We hadn't met any people. We hadn't played with any couples. Like we hadn't done anything yet, right? So we're like new, new newbies. And we're sitting in the parking lot. And um, we're like so super freaked out and nervous. Being like, all right, ready? Let's go in. And we like... Then one of us would be like, okay, let's go in. And the other person would be like, no, I'm not ready. And then another person would be like, let's go in. And the other person would be like, no, I'm not ready. And so we sat in the parking lot, I shit you not, for three hours <laughs> doing this thing. We're like, okay, let's go in. Oh, no, I can't. And watching all of these different people, because in your mind, you have this idea that it's going to be like the, that everybody at the, at your, the imagining of the swingers club is that everybody's going to be super hot, super attractive, young and around your age. And, you know, you have this vision of like this fantasy of what it's going to look like and what it's going to be like. It's none of those things. <laughs> I just need to say that, you know, that people are going to be like fucking all over the place and, and like all these things. And it's like, and so you have this whole workup, right? And that, you know, if you make eye contact with somebody, you know, you're going to have to fuck and like, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into and you have, you work yourself up. So we are, we had worked ourselves up to like being stuck in the parking lot. We were stuck there for like three hours. So finally, good thing we went early. <laughs> so finally, I'm like, all right. And we're both like, all right, this is ridiculous. We drove all the way into the city, um, you know, to go to this club. I'm like, okay, worst case scenario is we just go in, we see what's going on, we do, we dance, and, and then we leave. And he's like, okay, okay, all right, let's do it. I'm like, all right. So we like walk into the club and it's just like a nightclub. That's all it is. That's all it is. This is like a nightclub. People are standing around. People are drinking. People are dancing. Like that's all this is. And we spend like three hours in the parking lot for nothing. <laughs> but then we had, we're like, hey, don't make eye contact, right? Like don't make eye contact. So we're like, you, I'm sure every swinger in that bar was like, oh, look at the newbies. <laughs> oh, those poor things. Oh, oh, look at them. Aren't they cute? <laughs> they're like terror. I'm sure that's what they were thinking. So we're like, okay, 
don't make contact. Don't make, don't make eye contact. We were still in this place of thinking that if we make eye contact, we're going to have to have sex with people. Like that, that was just like, there was no like being able to be like, you know, the same way as you're at a regular club. If somebody comes up to you, you can like engage, you know, interaction with them or not engage the interaction with them. Right. Like doesn't mean you have to fuck them. Right. So so it's funny. So we're standing there in the club and we're like so nervous and so uncomfortable and we're not looking at anybody because we're, <laughs> we're like only looking at each other on the floor and the walls and the ceiling. <laughs> Don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. And then we were like going in, we're like, okay, we have our safety word. What's our safety word? And we're like, rhubarb. If we either one of us say the word rhubarb, we're out of there. And so... <laughs> Needless to say, no one approached us, <laughs> which makes total sense because we were so didn't want to be approached. Like, there's no part of us that actually wanted somebody to approach us because if we would, we would like be smiling. I don't know, maybe looking at people, eye contact, be open body language. We were none of those things. We were like, poor mission. So we went in, we danced. We didn't look at each other. We didn't look at anybody. We looked at the floor. We looked at the ceilings. We looked at the wall, and and then we went. And then we went home. And we're driving home, and we're both kind of disappointed that we didn't like meet anybody. <laughs> Just the funny part. I've I've never really told this story. Now looking back on it, I'm like, wow. It's like we were like, woo, crazy. <laughs> so. Like, both of us were like, well, why are we, no one approached us. No one thought we were attractive. What, if people don't think we're attractive, maybe like that's what's wrong with them and all this stuff. And so we started making everybody else wrong um, about that experience instead of that, now that I look at it and I'm talking about it, I'm like, of course nobody approached us. Why would anybody approach us? When there was no part of us that was like, yes, we're open. <laughs> we're open to having a smiling, maybe just having a chat. Like, there's no part of that. So, of course, no one approached us. So, <laughs> we're like, okay. But I had fun. For me, it was really, it was fun in being, I love dancing. Like, I love, 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 love dancing. And I loved the opportunity to be able to express my dancing self in a sensual, sexual way without actually feeling uh, predatory. And that's the, that was kind of, it's, it's kind of interesting, actually. The, one of the things of moving into the swinging world really actually versus, because, you know, I used to be young then, so I was going out to nightclubs all the time. <laughs> now I'm in bed <laughs> before the nightclubs even open. Anyway, so back in the day <laughs> when I was cool. You know, I spend a lot of time at the clubs and in the clubs, the non-swinging clubs, I felt very disrespected, groped and grabbed and, you know, you know, hit on in disrespectful ways all the time. And when I, what I started to find is that, you know, okay, so we went back to the swing before I get into this, we go, we were like, okay, let's do this again. So we went back to the swingers club and we started by like making smiling at people. Yeah, smiling at people and people would come over and be like, Hey, how are you guys? Where are you from? And it was very friendly. And, you know, we would do some dancing with some other people and, but you know, there was no like, 
you know, one of us would might be attracted to one person of the couple, but we wouldn't be attracted to both people of the couple and stuff like that. Because, like, think about it, it's very complicated. Like, if it's hard enough to find two people that you're, you know, both people are equally compatible, sexually compatible, and physically attracted to each other and emotionally attracted to each other. And so that's hard enough. But then you throw in like four people, that's like a whole lot of combinations that are challenging to actually uh, meet. Okay, so, so, but we started, we really started to like, you know, we were more friendly, right? We were smiling, we didn't, you know, we weren't terrified. Um, we knew that we could set boundaries and parameters and, you know, no one was gonna like jump us and, you know, we could make eye contact and, you know, so we started to learn about how to move in this world in a different way. And so I really loved being able to be sexual and sexually liberated and free in my body and also knowing and feeling safe in that environment because I knew that no, no one was going to touch me without asking my permission because that was, those were the rules back then. Like you, you don't touch unless you say, may I, can I, you know, would you be interested in? And so all of a sudden, for the first time in my life, I loved it because if I felt really, really safe. It felt very comfortable to be able to own my sexuality, to own my body, and to be able to say no and have that respected. And so that, for me, was one of the things that I really, and I still love about the swinging world, because, you know, I teach and facilitate, and, you know, every once in a while, I'm in that world for whatever reason, um, you know, and I still love the, the, the play and the conversation and the asking and the permission and, and the, the sexually freeing space that that provides for me, right? So, yeah, so, okay, so that was the Swingers Club. Let's see what else. Yeah, there's some highlights of my swinging life. Um, so the, the thing that was always weird for me was the lack of communication. And, and that makes perfect sense because, you know, let's be honest that, you know, most areas of sexuality, whether it's with one person, two people, five people, a whole room of people, um, you know, we really haven't been taught how to communicate what we want, what we need, how we, you know, what our turn-ons, what our turn-offs are. So it makes total sense that in the swinging world, that's not any different. And so it felt all the time we ended up, me and my partner would end up in these like sexual experiences with couples that there was parts of it that were really hot and really sexy. There was parts of it that were uncomfortable and jealousy was brought up and, you know, um, you know, we had to deal with that jealousy and, um, you know, and navigate that. And then there was times where it just was weird, awkward and weird. And there wasn't a lot of time to like communicate with each other as a couple. Like, are you attracted to this person? Are you not attracted to this person? What things do you want to do? How do you feel? Um, you know, how do you feel about, you know, so-and-so doing so such and such? Like there's no communication space. There wasn't back then anyways. Um, I would, knowing what I know now, if I decided to do some swinging adventures, I would do it very differently than I did back then. <laughs> very differently. <laughs> um, but 
there was lots of these moments where I'd like look over at my partner fucking some woman and um, well, some guy, you know, his, her, her husband or partner would be like going down on me or fucking me. And it was like, not really good sex. Like it just, I was just like, huh, you know, I feel like I should be more satisfied. Like it should be hotter. It's just not, it's not right. Um, and so for me, and this is just solely for me, this is from my experience. And so that's, this is not a slam in this uh, around swinging at all. Okay. So this is, I'm just sharing what my experience was for me. I'm very much about quality of sex versus quantity of sex. And that kind of, if I can have quality and quantity at the same time, woo, that's fantastic. But I much, this is my own personal preference. I would much rather have really epic sex with myself than to have awkward, weird sex with somebody else. That's not very good. And so because of that piece, um, there was all these awkward, bad sex moments. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? <laughs> what is happening right now? Hey, I was just about to come. Where'd you go? Right? Um, like there was a lot of those moments for me in the swinging world. And, and I didn't know how to facilitate the conversation as I do now. I didn't know how to facilitate, um, you know, the conversation with my partner like I do now. I didn't know all of these things that could have avoided. I would take one for the team, right? So like if my partner was really attracted to say, you know, her, because he wasn't bi, I was bi, um, but he was attracted to her, and I was like, ah, he's okay. I would end up having sex, because I would be taking one for the team, because I wanted him to have some fun, and that always was awful. Like, not only did it feel bad, the sex was awful, and then I felt angry and resentful as a byproduct of that. So that was one of the rules that I learned really quickly, like don't ever take one for the team. It is not a good plan. Nothing good ever happens from taking, taking one for the team. You know, the other piece that, you know, in that current relationship, oh, there was a lot of other issues that were going on that were at play. Okay. So our sex life wasn't, our sex life when we had sex was spectacular, but our sex compatibility, he had a very low sex drive and I had a very high sex drive. And there was a lot of stuff there that was unresolved. And one of the things is that, that really kept being brought up was that we probably shouldn't have been swinging actually. Like it wasn't really good for our relationship. Not the non-monogamy part, but the swinging component of it. Because what would happen is, is that it wasn't just about his sex drive. It was also about the motivator behind what was going on with his sex drive. And so, so all of a sudden, I would, you know you know, do the, all the things for the couple and the blah, 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 and the seduction and, you know, moving. There's that always that really, really awkward moment between we have our clothes on and we're going to get roll around naked. And if somebody doesn't take initiative, you can like spend till three o'clock in the morning before anybody gets naked. So anyways, I was the initiation girl. That was kind of the role because otherwise it wasn't happening. 
typically. So what would end up happening is, is that I would do all this work and then he would just show up and drop his pants and be really excited and really into the sex and, and this woman. And so, and then I would feel this feeling internally of jealousy that would come into this place at this moment, because all I wanted from him was to lust after me in that way. And I would see him lusting after some other woman and then, but not lusting after me. And so that would bring up my stuff and my jealousy. And then it wasn't really a lot of fun for me. Um, you know, I have to manage it and heal it and blah, blah, blah. But again, remember, this is like 20, 20 years ago. Right? I wasn't as, you know, enlightened as I am now. <laughs> There's other ugly shit there. Right? So I'll just own that piece. But knowing that, like knowing that piece of that him and I were not ideal to do swinging because we are, we weren't solid. And that's really what was the point was that him and I were not solid in our sexuality, in our relationship, with our communication skills, with all of those pieces. And because we weren't solid, bringing in a bunch of other people into our bedroom did not solve that problem. It just aggravated the facts and just really brought up to the surface how much our relationship wasn't rock solid in the end our relationship ended um i don't think it was because of swinging but i don't think swinging helped the situation <laughs> i don't think that swinging helped the situation um yeah so what I learned about myself is through that process is a lot of things. Communication, never take one for the team. Um, be really clear about what your boundaries are with each other. Um, making sure that you have time to talk um, before you decide whether or not you're going to roll around naked with somebody. You know, really have a conversation, take the moment, even if it doesn't feel like it's sexy, um, to just be like, hey, you know what, we need to talk to see if this is a good fit or not. So give us five minutes and we'll be right back. And go take the five minutes to actually lean in to have a conversation with each other to make sure are both of you into it and both of you on the same page. Um, let's see what else. So yeah, so those are the things. Communication, communication with each other. Um, and then also when you're like vetting the couple, not that you just think they're fun and they're cute and they're hot, depending on, I mean, there's all different layers. Like there's people who love swinging and it's all about having sex with strangers. There's people in the swinging world that are more like lifestyle people where they make connections with people and then they, they build relationships and sex happens to be a part of that. I fell more into that category. I typically fall more into that category across all of my sexual experiences for the most part. Um, so, you know, take the time and do the vetting, right? Like the same way as if you were going to, you were single and you were going to bang somebody, do the same kind of vetting process around being able to ask what are their turn-ons, what are their turn-offs, what are they into, what are they not into? Because if you have somebody who likes to be spanked and, you know, and then you have somebody else that really likes gentle sexual experiences and then you throw each other together without having a conversation about that, as, trust me, it's not going to go well. <laughs> Awkward, uncomfortable. People are like, what is happening? <laughs> it's not like all filled with orgasms and bliss. <laughs> right? 
The other big piece that's super important is safe sex, practicing safe sex. Now, it's really important that if you don't know what that, you know, all the pieces to that, go check. I have a podcast episode that I did about STIs and STDs. Um, go check that out. But it's hard enough to do safe sex with two people. So now you got four people and you got cross contamination and you got to be like, okay, so my finger was in there. I can't put that finger in the other vagina. Okay. No toy swapping. Okay. You know, I put my penis, I have a condom on. Okay. I fucked one woman, one vagina. Okay. I can't fuck another vagina without a new condom. Like all of those pieces are really important. And really leaning into that space around that is an important piece that, um, so you don't have to have awkward conversations. Like when we had sex with one couple and uh, they ended up, I got, we got a phone call years or, um, you know, three months later saying, hey, so we have chlamydia. Um, you need to go to the doctors and go get treated just, just to be on the safe side. And it wasn't a big deal. Like it's, it's not a big deal. Um, you know, we all got our meds and everyone took their meds and, uh, you know, it's all good. But the truth is, is that if we were really practicing those safe, those safer sex practices, um, and really leaning in and being really consciously aware of it, um, then, you know that would have been like a no brainer to be like, well, we don't have to worry about that. I mean, it's still important that we would have, we would still have done the, the due diligence piece, but it wouldn't have been like, oh my God. And so that's that piece around, there's so many layers to swinging. And then again, there's the, the partying part of it. Like, like I said, like I said, the thing about swinging that I loved, here's my highlights, okay? So the thing I loved about the world of swinging was that I got to be sexually open and sexually free and sexually liberated, and I wasn't slut-shamed. And that was really beautiful for me. That was, that was the beginning of that, you know, that that's, that's not okay. The other thing that was really beautiful for me in my swinging was this really openness around my female bisexuality. Um, back then it was, it was totally okay for the women to be bisexual. Um, however, in the swinging world back then, it was not okay for there to be bi male. Um, I haven't spent a lot of time in the community, so I don't know where that status is. Um, if there's been a shift in that or not. Um, so I'm not going to weigh in on that. So. I got to own my sexuality. I got to not have sex shame. I got to own my body and learn how to say no and be, and that no to be respected. Um, you know, those were beautiful pieces. I learned about what happens when you don't communicate <laughs> and the importance. And this is why if you listen to me, I'm always talking about, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, because otherwise you end up in some awkward, weird, uncomfortable, bad sexual situations. So it's much better to be able to talk about it so that you don't have to get into those awkward, bad situations and feel bad and shame and, and it's weird and awkward. So those are the things that I really loved about swinging. 
and the possibilities of the possibilities of exploring fantasies and desires and the possibilities and learning. I mean, for me, learning how to communicate that it was okay that I wanted, that I was attracted, that I wasn't monogamous. So that was another good thing about the swinging world is that it's like, oh, I'm not a weirdo. <laughs> there's not something wrong with me. Oh, wait, there's a lot of people who are, that aren't monogamous. Oh, wait, there's a lot more people that are not monogamous. Oh, you can do this without cheating. Oh, this is awesome. So that was a really, those are some really good insights for me around swinging that came out of that world at that time. But I learned that it wasn't necessarily for me. Like I said, I work much better with having a harem, um, typically having a primary partner um, and having lots of other partners um, that I have different levels of intimacy and different levels of connection with, um, different sexual adventure buddies that, you know, we're into different things so we can explore different stuff. Um, and that tends to work better for me than doing like as a couple situation. Um, unless, you know, and I'm, and there's, you know, there's moments where, you know, I want to have an orgy or I want to have, you know, you know, foursomes and more sums and, and those kinds of, you know, moments where I enjoy those, those dynamics. But for me, it's about the, the right, finding the right people and having the right fit and the right interactions with each other. And so that's kind of how I move. And over the years, I found that that works the best for me. But I have lots of friends who are swingers who love being a swinger. Like they love it. They love the interaction. They love the social. They love the, you know, the sexiness. They like, they love the whole environment. It's just, you know, like I said, but like I said, if you're going to go into the world of swinging, this is a really important piece. I hope you learned from what I said so that, you know, you don't have to make the same mistakes. Secondly, I think it's really important that you find somebody that you can have a conversation that can help you navigate this world and have a conversation about what are your rules, what are your protocols, what are your parameters, what are, you know, your safe words, what are, you know, what do you, how are you going to handle insecurities and jealousy, like all of those pieces, setting that system up within yourself and within your relationship will help you have a much better and more successful sexual swinging experience than just jumping in and not knowing the fuck you're doing and, you know, making all, you know, you know, figuring it out as you go along. Um, because that figuring out as you go along can be incredibly painful. And I'm not just talking about like, like little tiny growing pains. I mean, heart wrenching, uncomfortable, um, you know, mistakes that can happen really, really, really easy, easily without that support. So whether you join a, a group that's, you know, for newbies and there's somebody in there facilitating, you know, all those pieces, or you reach out to somebody like me, who's an expert in, you know, you know, helping you navigate ethical non-monogamy, um, you know, it's really, really, there's some, there's some foundational pieces in order to be successful in swinging. 
or any non-monogamy whatsoever, by the way, um, kind of style of relationships that you need to have in place. And if you have those things in place, then it can be easy and it can be fun and it can be enjoyable and it can be what your fantasies are. If you don't, it can be really incredibly painful. So that's it. That's all. Those are some of the stories. I got other stories and maybe I'll tell you those later when I'm inspired to do so. <laughs> so if you're like, well, how do I spend more time with Gaia? You can reach me at succulentliving.com. And for all your BDSM wellness needs, you can reach me at empressgaia.com. Don't forget to listen to and tune into my podcast, My Orgasmic Life. It can be found on all the platforms, Spotify, Apple, um, anywhere you find, listen to podcasts, you can find me anywhere that you're listening to music, usually uh, you can find me. You can also download my app uh, from Google Play and again, My Orgasmic Life. And just a quick reminder, this episode was brought to you by Tickle.Life and I'm their host for their podcast. So if you like being a voyeur, you like watching, you like listening like listening to other people's sex lives, which I know you do. <laughs> Who doesn't? All right. If you love that, then come check out Tickle.Life's podcast. And, it, and it's also on Spotify and Apple. And you can find it on their website as well. And what I do is in that podcast is we dive deep into experts, sex experts, and we find out about their relationships, their experiences, their sex lives. So it's really, it's a really juicy, it's a really juicy podcast. So I think that's all the pieces. Oh, and don't forget to follow me on social media under Gaia Morissette or Empress Gaia or both. Thanks for listening. And I hope your day is filled with juicy exploration. Bye-bye.